Folks, do you love movies? The good ones? Even the bad ones everyone told you not to like? It sounds like Super Yaki is the place for you. The team at Super Yaki loves movies so much that they've dedicated every waking moment of their life to bringing you top quality merchandise to showcase your love for them. From super soft t-shirts celebrating the 20th anniversary of the cinematic masterpiece Josie and the Pussycats, to comfy sweatshirts made for the brave members of the Movies by Yourself Club. They even have pins of some of your favorite directors like Sofia Coppola and Jordan Peele. Super Yaki joyously brings tangible love letters to movies and filmmakers that you can wear with pride. Plus, the team at Super Yaki screen prints all their apparel using eco-friendly, 100% water-based inks and ships with compostable poly mailers for an environmentally friendly alternative to online shopping. As a special gift to you, listeners can save 10% on their order with code SUPERSKYTALKERS. All caps, no spaces, at checkout. If the spirit moves you, you can find them at superyaki.com. Let's watch more movies. Welcome to Sky Talkers. Here are your hosts, Charlotte and Caitlin. Hello, and welcome to Sky Talkers. I'm your host, Charlotte. Hey, everyone. I'm your other host, Caitlin, and welcome to this week's episode where we're talking all about The Bad Batch, the finale, part one, return to... Where do we Camino. return to? Camino. <laughs> uh, yeah, the episode is called Return to Camino. It's the finale part one. It was written by Matt Mikinovitz and it was directed by Nathaniel Villanueva. And Matt usually functions as story editor on The Bad Batch. That I think we've seen him in that role most often. And he has for a lot of other stories too in Star Wars. And he's written a couple of episodes this uh, season on Bad Batch and he's here again and he did a great job. And so did I mean, Nathaniel. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he, Matt wrote the Umbara arc, a lot of stuff in the mm-hmm. Clone Wars and it's always dark, it's always deep, it's always really good. So it's just like a shoe in for an excellent episode. And I just want to say, if this is your first time listening and you're like, why are we laughing about Camino in the beginning? It's because I lost a bet. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So Caitlin, this entire time has been saying that the Bad Batch finale was going to come back to Camino. We're going to go back to Camino. And just to play devil's advocate, I said no, even though I totally agree with her. And it's not how bets work. (laughs) I know. But yes, it is actually. Yes, it is. Because I'm betting on the odds, you know? Yeah. So she was right. So that was really funny. And what was funny about it was that, so Disney Plus like hides the title of something if it's a spoiler until you watch it. And I actually really like that they do that. I think it's a good move. And so when the episode begins, you click into it and it says finale part one, but then you click into it and then you watch it and then the screen says return to Camino. And I was just like, oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) So funny. Uh, yeah, it was good. Well, and last week we had talked about like, oh, are they actually back on our crosshair and Hunter already back on Camino or are they in route there? And they were they were at the doorstep. <laughs> they were really at the doorstep. Yes, absolutely. And I think it's funny because one of the reasons why I agreed with you about like the return home is that it just makes sense that they would come back after being on the run for a while. It just makes sense story wise. You know, the heroes always return home in some way after a big change has happened. And that's the case here. And not only that, but I thought it was interesting that Omega literally brought them to the place where they were created. So it wasn't just a return home in terms of planet, but it was also a return home in biggest way and in the most like 
scientific way almost. And <laughs> I was like, wow, we're really doing this. This is happening. Yeah. Yeah. And also not to mention there was that line from very early in the season that comes back around in, in this episode of Hunter promising Omega that they'll never have to go back to Camino. And mm. it was kind of like, oh, I don't think he's going to be able to do that. <laughs> yeah. I think at some point we're going back. <laughs> totally. That that felt like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It felt, that felt like, oh, my God, he's going to break the promise and it's going to hurt. You know, yeah. it did hurt. It did hurt. And, and it did. It did. It yeah. didn't really hurt. Yeah. Did you like the episode? Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we just didn't. We didn't say, like, yeah, what we thought about what we it. Thought, really what like we that. thought. Uh, yeah. No, I thought it was really great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there were some conversations in there where I was like, oh, oh, this this got serious <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in a way that I did not expect it to. Or I guess I just couldn't even imagine what the conversation would be. So, you know, it's always a great time when you get characters talking a lot personally, in my opinion. Yes. And so we had fun. a lot of good conversation time in this episode, and someone in our Discord had mentioned this about how this episode, like, functioning basically as, you know, it's the finale, right, even though we have one more episode, did a really good job of kind of bringing us to this cliffhanger point with Crosshair, but also kind of laying some seeds for a little bit more of the quote-unquote lore of, like, where Omega came from and the Bad Batch too. Um, it definitely had, like, a very good creepy vibe to it with everything that happened, and it functioned really well as like a finale if you know if I'm looking at the season as a whole so yeah I I loved it (laughs) I agree I felt like so many plot pieces or questions that we were having definitely started to be answered in this episode which is really nice I I think that there's been so much laid down by this show throughout the 16 episodes or 15 so far that we've seen that we've been like oh I wonder if that's going to come up later oh that's interesting wow this show is like a is really good as existing as like in the background of the fall of the republic and the rise of the empire and what does that all mean for them and so much of that like I have more questions after this episode but I definitely I feel like I'm more grounded in the world than I was before which is really cool I loved this episode I definitely teared up in many parts. I thought the music was literally incredible. Mm. The Kiner brothers are just killing it. Like, oh my God, the Attack of the Clones music Mm. from Camino. I was, oh my God. And then also there's a really triumphant Bad Batch theme that happens like in the last like five minutes of the episode. So good. I don't know. I really loved this one. This is probably, you know, I said it a while ago that the finale was probably going to be my favorite episode. (laughs) It's happening. It's happening. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, this is really good. Yeah. My my favorite kind of little musical moment was when Crosshair reveals that he took his uh, chip out already. Mm-hmm. There's this like – I can't really describe the music, but it's – A low tone. But it's light too. It's like a yeah. – it's like a – it almost has like a magical reveal element yeah. to it, you know? Like if, if – yeah that description makes sense to anyone but yeah but it's like this magical sinister reveal but it's got that lightness to it also and I don't know I was like oh I like felt myself kind of moving with the music of like realization of oh like as the music went up (laughs) it was was good (laughs) the musical motif that is behind crosshair anytime he does something sinister is really interesting I'm not sure what that if that's an instrument or a synth or something but I, I think it's like a, a bass, um, but I'm not sure. But 
at any time, I'm like, oh my God, that's really creepy. <laughs> We're going to talk about the nuances that come with Crosshair later, but uh, I I think that Kevin Kiner is just having the best time. And of course that happens when this is like the third show that he has scored. You know, I think there's a level of comfort, comfortability, right? Of yeah. scoring a show and accumulating, like John Williams almost, like accumulating a bunch of themes that he can use at his disposal, like the light motifs and everything like that. So Really yeah. cool. Loving it. I feel like his music has never been stronger with the exception of um, the Clone Wars, which I think the best music that has ever been in the Clone Wars has been when Ahsoka leaves. It's just the best. Ugh. So <laughs> my my uh, aside there about my, I think that's Kevin Kiner's strongest piece. This, but this is, yeah, this is the this debate. Is a, yeah, yeah, this is a really good debate, honestly, one that we should have, but I don't know. Everything that has he's been doing in The Bad Batch has been really good, too. That's the thing. It's like there's no wrong answer here. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the episode begins with Omega being really sad. <laughs> when we first opened the episode and they were, like, fixing the ship, I was like, no one seems, like, super rushed here. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> Right, except for Omega. I thought that was interesting that no one really – I don't know. I think that if I flash back to the last episode and I think about how Hunter was like, go, like, rest assured, I'll be okay, I'll figure it out, maybe that's what they were going off of and that's kind of how their directives kind of work, you know? And Omega, obviously, since she leads with her heart, I think she was like, no, guys, like, gotta go. I can't focus on anything without Hunter. And she was really upset and it was sad. (laughs) Yeah, and I also think there's an element of, you know, them being soldiers and it's like even when you are stressed, you have to focus on the task at hand because like Echo tells her, like we're going to like we're going to go back for him, but we're going to fail if we don't get the ship fixed. Like this is the only thing that is going to help us actually have the ability to rescue Hunter. So mm-hmm. once we get this done, then we can go. And I think that uh, you know, that soldier mentality of being able to do what needs to be done in any given moment and try and put your emotions to the side while you, you know, fix the ship. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. So then after that, we get to Camino, and that's where we see that amazing, well, we don't see it, we hear it, the Attack of the Clones music. And we realize that Crosshair has brought Hunter to Camino. And I have to say, I just have to go on a tangent here. I hate Admiral Rampart, okay? I hate him. I cannot wait for his demise, okay? <laughs> I thought his his quotes, you know, he says, if this plan fails and none of them will be a problem anymore, it's like these clones, these this crew of, you know, this these six people, right, have been really getting under the Empire's skin. And I have to think that Crosshair has, like, has, cro- has let too many things slide, and it feels like, I don't know, it, I every day I feel like his crosshairs time is numbered under Rampart and the stakes are just really high anytime this guy is near. I genuinely thought he was another generic Empire guy, another <laughs> generic Imperial. I've talked about this before on the show. Yeah. And I think in, in a way he is, but he's just evil. Like, I think that um, Tarkin... Tarkin is a good character because he's just a planner and he is, yes, he is evil. I'm not saying he's not, but there's more to his character than just it, him being evil, I suppose. But that's also like due to the backstories and everything. But 
with this guy, I'm just like, you're awful. I don't like you. Every single time he opens his mouth and says something awful, I'm like, you are the worst. And I, I, I get that the show is illustrating that the empire is ruthless and just as ruthless as this guy. And like that there, where there's one rampart, there has to be a hundred more all across the galaxy. And that itself is scary, but um, they really are raising the stakes with this guy. And he's just, he's just terrible. He's awful. He is. Uh, The only thing I have to comment on rampart is I mentioned this in the very beginning of the series is that I think he looks just like the guy from pitch perfect. And (laughs) which is funny. He d- the the other funny piece of this too is that uh, that actor Skylar Aston he has a TikTok now and I swear I keep getting served his TikToks ever since I talked about how Rampart looks like Skylar Aston from Pitch Perfect. That's that's um on artificial intelligence. <laughs> and that's yep, and that's on artificial intelligence. <laughs> anyway, that's my comment on Rampart. I think he looks like uh, the guy from Pitch Perfect. Um, and I literally can't not think about that when he's. <laughs> I know. (laughs) Which uh, certainly gives a different tone to his evilness, uh, if I'm being honest. (laughs) I'm like, are you about to break out into song? (laughs) (laughs) No, he's not because he's evil. (laughs) It's true. true. (laughs) To me, he's just like a generic bro type of Imperial. Yeah. And I think that's an interesting choice, to be honest. Yeah, um, he's in it for the power grab. Next thing that kind of happens is, you know, the the Bad Batch arrive on Kamino. And what I thought was really great about this sequence is one secret platform is always cool. Oh, my God. So amazing. <laughs> but um, I love that it's Omega who is kind of taking charge of getting them there. I love moments like this. We've had a – there's always this, like, interesting relationship between the Bad Batch and Omega, and it's something we've kind of been tracking this whole season of when they're really including her as part of the team and, like, giving her tasks and, like, assignments and and stuff like that. And then there are those moments when they're, like, they draw on the line of you need to stay back. We're leaving you with the pikes, <laughs> um, you know, those kinds of things. Or just when they tell her to like go back to the ship, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, I always think it's interesting what situations where they bring her along versus when they leave her, and the ones where she is given assignments by the Bad Batch themselves. Because I think that uh, Omega always takes takes action kind of no matter what she's been told by the bad batch but the difference that i think is cool to track is when uh they're kind of more including her in the plan but this was really interesting because they had no knowledge of nalase's like secret loading landing platform and her lab and uh the tunnels underneath camino they had no idea about that and so they're really relying on omega to get them onto camino undetected and that is that's a really big deal you know the environment of Camino is uh it's it has a very specific aura right like it's always raining it's gray it's blue it's water and then you go inside and it's like bright white lights it's like a very it's very specific and the tone there is always kind of pretty set I think like mm-hmm. very rarely are there very comedic moments there like the tone of that environment of that planet just doesn't really lend itself to those moments it's serious for it sure. is 
It is. Although I say that we did have a legit food fight there at the very start of the season, but I digress. (laughs) But some might say that that is the breaking down of the seriousness that is there now that we can see the full arc of the season. Yeah. (laughs) I'm just saying. They call them the the sad batch. The sad batch. The sad batch. (laughs) Never forget. (laughs) (laughs) anyway (laughs) but i love that there is this like seriousness from the bad batch and omega when they're coming into camino and there's this we'll talk about this but sense of foreboding from omega specifically and like the returning to a place that perhaps has some good memories in there but is also a place that you were intent on never returning to for a lot of specific reasons. And I thought that I really liked seeing Omega back on Camino in the sense of watching her reaction to it. And even at the very end when she is watching the platforms all blow up and she's kind of like in shock and there's this moment of like, oh my God, it's like, it's really gone. Like this place where I was created, like I don't consider this home perhaps, but this is still like where I'm from, you know? And it was that, like, I don't know, I got that emotion from her of, like, how am I feeling about all of this right now? And anyway, but skipping back to them arriving on Camino, I loved the, the, like, the marble that they got in. I thought of it as, like, a marble, like, (laughs) going down the tube. And um, it was very spooky, very eerie. And then, of course, coming into an empty medical lab. It was, I, I loved it. Yeah, I loved that she had this hidden knowledge, like you mentioned, of number one, the landing pad, number two, the tube system, which honestly, now that we're here, I feel like we should talk about that. I think the tube system is going to come up again in the next episode. I feel like that's going to be a how they get out or something like that. I don't know. It just seems like a crazy thing that <laughs> was mentioned in this episode <laughs> that yeah. feels like it will have a payoff at some point. Um, besides the fact that it is just really cool. And I liked that we're reminded that Omega had this special relationship with Nalise and yeah, her processing the whole thing was really interesting. I thought there was several moments in the scene. First off, I loved the wet hair animation and wet hair Omega was just really cute. And um, I th- there was this good shot of Omega processing that she was back on Camino and like echoes was asked if she was okay. And she says, it doesn't matter. Saving Hunter is what matters. I think that it's it's good because later I'm happy that it came back around that Omega was upset to be back on Camino and that was going to stir up a lot of emotions for her and she wouldn't feel safe there in like all senses of that word, right? Um, and I thought that it was good that Hunter apologized to Omega about that promise because I was a little worried that that wouldn't come back and that was just going to be something that Omega had to live with. Um, it, even though I thought that the, the show itself gave enough... Um, definitely showed that Omega was uh, a little uh, disrupted from coming back to Camino and experiencing this all again. And it just made me wonder about all her past there and this, like, what, what has she seen in that lab? And um, it it feels like she had a, like a real knowledge of everything. And yes, she was a medical assistant. So like, what did that mean for her? I don't know. A lot of questions formed in this, but it made me realize that Omega had her own like <laughs> secret life. world of Camino. Yeah. Yeah. Her own life, but like her own like secret. I don't know. I think that the, 
it was also like it made me realize that yeah the bad batch are special but like are they they're not that special like they didn't know about this they didn't know about the medical lab that they lived in they didn't know about any any of this but omega knows about this yeah and uh, i I, th- I don't know i thought that was interesting because the whole concept of how special are the bad batch was kind of brought up in in this episode and that was a little aside but I think when it came down to it later in the conversations with Hunter and Crosshair, Crosshair showed zero remorse for like where the regs were. And at the end of the day, like it didn't matter reg or Bad Batch or, you know, Clone Force 99, whatever. It didn't matter. They were being taken advantage of by the Empire. And it was it's the whole like enemy of my enemy is my friend situation. And this idea that like, no, these people that were made in this cloning facility, they need to band together for the atrocities that are about to happen to them. Like, where did everyone go? I don't know. I'm going down a, a path now that I don't even know if we're ready to talk about this yet. But I, I I, felt like there was a lot there about Omega's, like, hidden history on Camino that made me realize that things were um, way different for her, for her than others. And I, I feel like we knew that, but she knows a lot. And when it when is she able to verbalize what she knows like if this becomes an ongoing um an ongoing plate between the empire and like whatever the heck they did with the rest of the clones and the you know the quote-unquote regs uh does omega have the knowledge i mean nala still alive so that relationship i feel like will have to be wounded at some point because i think that in a, in a way nala had had acted as uh omega's mother and she does care about her i suppose it's a little quasi it's a little twisted so um there's a lot there that i hope gets uncovered and i just thought this episode did a really good job of uh, seeding in a lot of um smaller moments that made you think about the past with her yeah uh right now i'm really worried about those younger clones that we saw i'm so stressed i'm so stressed yeah very stressed very strong. You know, when Hunter arrives on Camino, he immediately realized that the facility was being decommissioned. And I thought it was interesting because what does it mean? <laughs> so the facility itself is being decommissioned. I know, I think on the surface, it makes sense that the Empire would want to get rid of this just because they're destroying and silencing everyone who comes in their way, right? Even as even Hunter later says, sil- they're silencing anyone who stands against them. And it's not necessarily that the Kaminoans have stood against the empire but they do pose a threat of being potentially stronger than the empire since they can literally create an army right so there <laughs> the politics of camino is really interesting to me and we've talked about this in the past episodes and the the murder of their prime minister last a couple episodes ago i don't know um at this point <laughs> but the fact is that they were like purely like extinguishing whatever power the physicality of camino holds and that's crazy. But then what about all the people that were there that were being grown, that were um, being trained, that were being schooled? Like, like you mentioned, you were worried about the, those kids that we saw with Nala say before. I'm worried too. I'm like stressed that they killed them all and it wouldn't be out of the norm for sort of like clone. I don't, I don't even want to say it. It's just crazy. It's super dark. I don't know if the show is ever going to show it, show us that because at the end of the day, this is a kid show. But again, Star Wars, that has never limited them before. And I'm just really, I'm worried because we don't really know what happens to the clones beyond becoming like what we saw in the last episode about 
uh, training new stormtroopers, TK soldiers, as they call them. It it, very, it stresses me out. <laughs> really stresses me out. <laughs> deep breaths. Deep breaths. <laughs> well, another thing, another thing to mention is that I thought it was good that this episode was like, Omega, go back on the ship and contact Rex. Uh, when they gave her that operative to stay with the ship, um, and obviously she, she didn't. Ignored. Yeah, she ignored that. But the 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 idea that like, okay, we need to talk to Rex about this. This is something I just I really want to happen. I really want there to be a sort of um, clone rescue effort and potentially led by by Rex. It just felt like that was a hint of what's to come or what could happen or something like that, because that's already on their mind about their next contact and. Even in the beginning of this episode, they were like, Sid's so mad at us. Like, who cares? We're, we're leaving. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, I think that, you know, the the clone rescue has been something we've talked about a lot uh, throughout the season of this possibly being a path for the Bad Batch at some point. And I think that that would parallel really nicely in the future with, you know, if we ever do see an actual like Stormtrooper rebellion from after the sequel trilogy or maybe even within like another story within the sequel trilogy mm-hmm. about the stormtrooper rebellion i think that could be like a nice parallel to a story like that so but true. i think that you know i think all of the viable clones were taken off camino i think that's kind of what we were supposed to infer from seeing those kids escorted off whether or not they're still alive um is another dark question but i think that they were all Remove because I think at the end of the day, I think the Empire would try to basically like rehab or retrain clones to work for them, or maybe like utilize the implants, the chips, and everything like that until they can't any longer. But I think that if there were any uh, clones being created, I think they probably were left behind. That's not great. Um, That's dark. That's really dark. It's it's all extremely dark dark. (laughs) it really is it's really dark when you when you let your brain go to these places is after this episode it's like oh my god and that's why i hate rampart i hate him (laughs) (laughs) and he says later let the clones die together and i was like are you kidding me me. i hate that (laughs) it feels like that is perhaps the thesis statement of what the empire is trying to achieve by destroying Camino, either on Camino or wherever the heck they took the rest of the clones. I think that, you know, the point in, and you were already talking about this too, but the objective in destroying Camino was about keeping that technology for themselves. Yeah. And the empire is always going to be about basically holding all intellectual property themselves that no one can kind of function without them. And if you look like you're functioning without them, you're going to be taken out. And I think kind of everything we've seen from uh, the Kaminoans this season, especially the prime minister and Nalase talking a lot about like their contracts and stuff like that. And, you know, having contracts with other people outside of the empire, none of that was ever going to fly because this is powerful technology that they have. And it's like, well, if they seem like they might not be incredibly, one, loyal to the Empire, and two, if they are so uh, obsessed with their clones and we don't need them anymore, we don't need the clones anymore, then we don't need the Kaminoans anymore. So we'll stay there, take take the technology, take, you know, the one representative of the scientists and destroy the rest. 
it really makes me wonder. Again, I'm asking the question of what else is on Camino, mm-hmm. <laughs> and are there any other Caminoans? Surely there are, because otherwise, what is the prime minister ministering over? You know, <laughs> where are they? I guess is my question. And they're clearly not all on that facility. Uh, we, I feel like we would have seen like some version of like the Caminoan city that's like attached to the cloning facility. You know what I mean? What about the the tube system? Perhaps the tube system. Perhaps the tubes. Yeah. <laughs> the the tube system gave me really big, obviously like Phantom Menace energy, but then also yeah. resistance energy when mm. the when they like discover the Colossus underneath the water. It reminded me a lot of that. And there's like cool fish that were down there. I think for me it reminded me of Tron a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I don't. There's another thing too that that like emerging platform from the water reminded me of that I just cannot place. And for the life of me, I've been thinking about this for hours, and I just I cannot place it. No, you know what it reminds me of? What? Spy Kids. Oh my god, Caitlin, that's it. (laughs) That's it. You know what? That's not a. That's not out of the ordinary. Listen, I love Spy Kids. It's good. <laughs> it's okay, so good. it's really good. <laughs> I like that microwave that just makes you a burger. I want it. <laughs> I know it was. It was highly entertaining when it came out. It but really anyway, I, th- I think you're you're right on that. That's what it was. Wow, yeah, that's it nailed was. it. Yeah, thank you. All right, glad we figured that out. But I gotta <laughs> say, uh, kind of, you know, just while we're on the topic of Camino, just in general, I feel like we can kind of close out our conversation about Camino. I am really sad that it's gone. The, oh, my God. the Rogue One-esque <laughs> flashes of all the places on Camino that are just gone now. I was like, oh, oh, I, I, I First off, great choice to put in those quiet shots of the places that we're familiar with without any people, without anyone there. It was brilliant. It was so, so good. Yeah, that kind of shot is always effective. Yeah, and I was thinking about it, about how, you know, even if you aren't an Attack of the Clones fan or if you haven't seen Attack of the Clones or anything like that, right? I still think you have this knowledge that the clones were created here in the very beginning of this series we see that they live here they return home to their bad batch bunk beds right and bad batch i pad. The, yes the bad batch bachelor pad and the bunk beds so many um b words yeah. anyway uh you, you get a sense that this place means something to them and w- with all the conversations about clones and free will and things like that this was the place that made them And so when they have these shots, like, regardless of nostalgia, I just, like, I don't think this has anything to do with nostalgia. I think it has everything to do with the effective storytelling of destroying home, you know? And that, it really worked for me. I was, um, I don't, like, I like Camino, don't get me wrong, but I think per conversation earlier about how there's always this, like, serious vibe about Camino, it's not, like, my favorite place, you know, in Star Wars. It's really not. I think it's really interesting, but I didn't expect to be so overwhelmed in that moment. I think it has everything to do with the visuals, the music, and the pacing of it all. It was perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. Okay. Let's talk about Crosshair and Hunter because, man, did we get the best conversations possible? I think we should break down the dialogue. I've transcribed some of it here and we should just talk about it like almost sentence by sentence. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> okay. This is very similar to what we did in Clone Wars Season 7 with the Phantom Apprentice. We had to. Best dialogue ever. 
we I love dialogue like this. And you know what? That's a really similar piece of dialogue. <laughs> it <laughs> is. It's a it's a quote unquote villain uh telling someone else some hard truths and then them having to accept it and then you Make a it's interesting. Make a choice. Yes, it's so interesting. Anyway, I, my heart broke in this whole in the conversations that Crosshair and Hunter had, specifically this one where Hunt, where Crosshair goes, "You weren't loyal to me. I was one of you. You may have forgotten, but I haven't." Which is why I'm going to give you what you never gave me, a chance. I don't know, the moment that Crosshair said, "You weren't loyal to me and I was one of you." It fla- I immediately flashed back to every conversation that we had about how like Omega replaced Crosshair and how this is a sore point i don't necessarily mean that like omega replacing crosshair was but the fact that crosshair could potentially think that they didn't care about him at all devastating yeah as soon as he said you weren't loyal to me i was like oh no he's been sad and now i am sad (laughs) yes exactly I, i think it's so complicated and it's almost hard to like separate out these conversations because it's like Omega wasn't like repl- like she was replacing Crosshair, but there was also this like in the first couple of episodes, there was we talked about this like with Hunter, this like extreme burden on him about leaving Crosshair behind. Like we know that he felt torn up about it and he regretted it and he didn't want to do it. And I think that after we got to a certain point in the season and they realized that he was like that crosser was going to kill them, it became mm-hmm. something else entirely. And it was like this different kind of betrayal. Uh, but the thing is crosser was feeling betrayed about it all too. And that's why at the end when um, he reveals that he took his chip out and Hunter is like, when? And crosser says, does it matter? And Hunter goes, yeah, it does. Because mm-hmm. if your chip was out when you were trying to kill us, like, how am I supposed to ever trust you? You know what I mean? Versus if it was still in and, like, that that whole, uh, like, before Cad Bane showed up, that episode, um, that, it, like, it does matter to to Hunter in that moment. Because what does that mean, like, overall? And I think that, like, I wish that Hunter had been able to say, you know, like, we wanted you back. Like, we never, like, we still love you. Yeah. No, it's true, though. <laughs> And I also think that the whole you weren't loyal to me, I think that's so as much as we, the audience, have been thinking about Crosshair as like an individual, we also haven't because he joined the Empire and was like part of the Empire. And so then we think about him as part of the Imperial machine, right, which automatically in Star Wars means something negative. And him saying you weren't loyal to me and specifying I was one of you, it puts the the individual back into how we think about Crosshair. I'm, I've always thought about him that way. I'm not saying that everyone felt like this or anything like that, but I I just feel like it, it really shined a spotlight on, you're right, like he has been sad. But not only that, but that there's he's more than just his allegiance at this point. He has emotions and if further down the road, obviously, like when I was rewatching this now, understanding that potentially his chip, his own chip is removed. So he is torn up about this. Well, it brings it, it makes you think about that, that uh, expression that he has at the end of the Ryloth episode yes. where we were like, what WTF is this? <laughs> yes, that is so true. Even in the beginning of the season two, when he had uh, that moment 
I think it was like episode three or four, like very early, where he's just sitting kind of sadly in the bachelor pad, their mm-hmm. their their room, and we're like, oh, oh, mm-hmm. oh. <laughs> mm-hmm. very sad. Okay, so let's talk about the chip being removed since we're here. Okay, do you think the chip is gone or not? I do. I do think the chip is gone. This was a big discussion on Discord today too, the Sky Talkers Discord of if Crosshair is lying or not about it. And I can totally see that. But, you know, if if I'm a betting woman, and apparently I am, and I'm <laughs> one for one so far. <laughs> Getting cocky? Okay. <laughs> um, but I think that, you know, if Star Wars has taught us anything, it's that, you know, when quote unquote bad people are having the like big conversation they're usually telling the truth and mm-hmm. I think that I think that Crosshair is telling the truth when when his I mean I would think logically his chip came out after uh the Cad Bane episode because of that explosion that's kind of when I assume it would be out <laughs> but like Crosshair said does it matter like I guess I'm kind of with Hunter that it does matter but Maybe it doesn't in the end, like, or maybe it's how Crosshair sees himself. Like, it doesn't matter. And he says that too later on. Like, this is who I am uh, once he talks about having his chip removed. And yeah, I do think it's gone. And I think that's going to make things very difficult. And I think that's honestly, like, that's the best way this could have gone in regards to like a dramatic season because it's the easy thing if Hunter can just take the chip out. I know. You know, I mean, we've, we've talked about this, about how the yeah. the chip is like, it's very black and white. It's not as interesting as it was in the beginning of the season. It functioned more interestingly as a ticking time bomb than it is a morality exploration. Right. Yeah. And I think that I think that they all needed to be removed to level the playing field. Yeah. Hunter or Crosshair does say uh, in the beginning of this episode, I forget that we don't have it written down, but Hunter is talking to him about like choice, basically. And Crosshair says, you think I had a choice. And when I first heard him say that, I thought he was alluding to the chip, which I think is true. I think he was, uh, but to a time when he still had it. But yeah, I think that I think it's the you know, this goes back to the conversation that um Ryan Johnson talks about when he was writing The Last Jedi of he said he put every character's name down on a list and wrote what's the most difficult thing for them to go through or to mm-hmm. hear or to know. And I think for Hunter in this moment, I think Hunter has two things that would be the most difficult for him. One, losing Omega. And two, realizing that this has been Crosshair all along. Like mm-hmm. I said, the easy thing would be for it to for Crosshair to still have the chip and to remove it. But that's what when a couple episodes ago when we had this whole conversation about is quote-unquote redemption an option for Crosshair? And of course the answer is yes. But during that conversation, we were like, a lot of this depends on the chip or not. Because if he's being manipulated, what does he need? Like, is that, like, do you get redeemed from that? Do you need to be redeemed from that? I would argue no from a character Mm -hmm. standpoint. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But that's kind of the easy option. And now in this finale, Hunter is forced to reckon with the fact that it like this is this is crosshair right now crosshair is choosing the empire asking him and the rest of the bad batch to also choose the empire it's like it's it's so much harder and so much more emotional because hunter has already been beating himself up about this and granted we haven't necessarily seen that side in a couple episodes but we can reference back to the beginning of the season when he 
clearly was regretting what had happened with Crosshair and even mentioned wanting to come back for him. And the fact that Hunter takes Crosshair with them, like, is enough evidence for me that he's still, like, he's he's not leaving him behind this time. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. So I think I'm glad that we have this revelation that Crosshair took out the chip. I do think it's actually gone. Um, and I still, I, you know, redemption however you want to define that, is still always an option for Crosshair. And I think that these kinds of lines from him throughout this episode of, you weren't loyal to me, Um, you never gave me a chance, I didn't have a choice in the beginning, Um, we were brothers once, we can be again. All of this says to me, and the fact that like Crosshair got them alone means Mm -hmm. that he in some ways is like valuing valuing the Bad Batch over the Empire – Um, like this feels very emotional from Crosshair, someone who is always very stoic and, you know, good soldiers follow orders. He killed all those other soldiers, those TKs, um, Mm -hmm. in order to like prove his point to the bad batch of like, we can be a unit again. Like that's what, that's what Crosshair wants. Crosshair wants to be a unit again. Um, but he can't get past that, like not. He can't get past still being in the Empire or seeing that the Empire is not uh, his purpose or, you know, what Hunter thinks should be his purpose. So I don't I think you should remove the word Empire from that. And I think soldier is a better word because I think Crosshair can't imagine a life that isn't defined as serving something and being the best soldier possible. While the rest of the Bad Batch crew, I think they're still figuring out what their life looks like as fugitives. And, you know, Crosshair even calls Hunter out about that, about Hunter and Hunter and Omega. You know, he says living among fugitives where she's in constant danger. You want to protect the kid and let her go. Stop pretending to be something you're not, Hunter, which I thought was biting because for me, I read that as like what Hunter's pretending to be is a father, a fugitive, something that like denying the fact that he was created to be a soldier. And uh, to me, it it reads as Crosshair just doesn't understand a world where he's not serving the best. And at this point, the Empire is the best, right? <laughs> like they're the strongest. They have taken over the galaxy. So, uh, you know, someone in our Discord said that Crosshair isn't a villain. He's a victim. And I think this exploration of how does one... And, you know, I don't even have the the language to talk about this because I just don't have experience with being a soldier or anything similar to that. But what I feel like this is, is Crosshair not knowing how to grow beyond, right? Mm. And when he's, he's seeing the rest of the crew, he's like, you guys aren't even living up to your full potential. He says that, you know, he says, we're not like the regs. We never have been. We're superior. The Empire cannot protect the galaxy without strength. This is what we're made for. Think of all we could do together. We were brothers once. We can be again. I don't know what Crosshair thinks will happen if they ban with him. They could be super soldiers. Or they could. What is he? Do you have any thoughts about that? Because for me, yes, this is a very The Last Jedi, very Empire Strikes Back. Um, you know, join me and together we can rule the galaxy a moment. But I don't know what's on the flip side of what Crosshair is proposing here. Because at this point, I'm like, dude, the Empire doesn't care about you. They're leaving you to die, you know, and that will be a realization, I think, that has to happen, at least on the ship now that 
Crosshair is knocked out. Like, how long are they going to leave him knocked out? I don't know. Uh, but this proposition, what makes sense about the ones in Empire and The Last Jedi to me is that, like, I can visualize that. I could visualize, like, Kylo yeah. Ren had power. Because um, at that point, he was the new supreme leader. And so, yeah, Ray could rule it aside. Or, like, yeah, Kylo, uh, the ruler too. Vader could have Luke join and they could kill the Empire Emperor. Like that's possible. <laughs> it could have happened. But here I'm like, and maybe that's what's good about this line to me is that there's this weird reversal of like, that's not possible. Like he's his his brain he's is clouded. Yes, he is. And I I don't I just don't know how to rationalize it because I just feel bad for him that he thinks he has that power, but he actually doesn't. He doesn't have that power. He has a power in the room right now as a as a good of a shot as he is. Like that's literally his talent to take out everyone in the room so they can have this conversation. But what happens when they move outside to the big bad empire that now is amassing their own specially trained army and I suppose extinguishing anyone who is quote unquote a reg? Yeah, I think um I think that's a really good point about it is that in those other scenes, those are people with power. Like mm -hmm. they're the top of the top making these declarations and, and having these types of conversations. But Crosshair, even though he is the quote unquote top clone, um, we've had these clues all throughout the season that the Empire actually doesn't care, that they've been testing. They were testing the Bad Batch from the very beginning as if, like, they were going to be the only worthwhile clones, basically. And that was the whole point of, like, the Kaminoans trying to prove that the cloning facility, their contract, was still valuable for the Empire. And the Empire's already decided that it's not. And when that other TK uh, stormtrooper tells Rampart that the commander has failed, that's when Rampart is like, all right, I don't need him anymore. Like, blow him up. Um, and yeah, I, I don't think Crosshair really realizes that. Like, what does, like, best case scenario, they say, all right, you're right, let's join the Empire. What does Crosshair think is going to happen? That they're just going to welcome the rest of them back? <laughs> like, and let them continue to be this unit together? I, I, that just doesn't even seem feasible. And it is sad that Crosshair would think that like Crosshair has built this kind of like best case scenario in his head from within the empire, which is kind of crazy to think about knowing what we know of the empire and obviously not being in Crosshair's shoes. But I think that's going to be a really big wake up call for him when he does actually wake up. And, you know, even saying that the facility is being decommissioned, uh, the fact that they killed the prime minister, like it all points to the empire getting rid of all clones and I think that's what would have happened if they had gone back with Crosshair. Like, if they ended up with Rampart, I think Rampart would have had them all killed anyway, you know? Yeah. And I think that's the realization that, I don't know, that they need to have to get Crosshair to join them. But I also can't, as much as I want Crosshair to come back, I am here for any sort of weird banter or likableness that would come up yeah. <laughs> with with that. I don't think Crosshair is going to be down for mercy missions. No. And how do we change that? And I think that's back to the point about the Rex thing. Is that the next step for the Bad Batch is creating this like underground clone world uh, we just need to get Crosshair to be convinced that they don't freaking care about him, you know? You know who's going to do it? Who? Omega. 
Oh my God, so true. Gonna, when you were talking about like the awkward moments on the ship, I was like, you know who's not going to make it awkward? Omega. She's going to be like, <laughs> let's chat. She's going to be like, let me show you my room. She's going to yeah. be like, do you want some uh, You can sleep mix? in my room for yeah. a sec. Do you want some popcorn? I've got extra. This is uh, this is gonky. <laughs> you know him. You love him. Well, She's- we're going to see if, – if this happens, we're going to see like the best character arc ever from him. <laughs> the thing is it's like this showed me – like this whole conversation showed me that Crosshair does – doesn't want – doesn't want the bad batch dead but he also like in a weird way is like i'm helping you get omega safely off the planet like this isn't good for her when you know we saw him go after kanan at the very beginning of the season and you know go after omega too and so it's like i don't want like that could just be like part of could have been just part of his like bribe to be like look see i didn't hurt omega but i do think that there is something else there and i think that omega will win him over because omega wins everyone over and that has been a recurring theme throughout this entire (laughs) season and so i think i think she would do it and i think she'll be the one like i can very easily see a scenario in season two where you know crosshair has been with them they basically like left him locked on the ship somehow i don't know how you lock crosshair up but they do. And finally, there's a situation where they need Crosshair and Omega is the one who's like, we should trust him. He like give him that like, look, I have his bow and everything that's still on the ship. We should we should trust him. Mm-hmm. And like we've been talking about, too, the fact that Omega, her weapon is this bow and arrow that's very similar in like target the way that Crosshair is. He's going to be the one to take it to the next level for her. Best case scenario. I can that's truly the best case scenario I can see that you know of him being like you're doing it all like my god Omega if you're gonna do it like at least do it right you know (laughs) (laughs) so true (laughs) but uh, I have to say that these this that whole kind of sequence with that standoff between Hunter and Crosshair man the this is this is Star Wars at 110 percent for Mm -hmm. me it mm-hmm. never gets old. Like these these conversations, these standoff conversations, you know, the Revenge of the Sith, Empire Strikes Back, The Last Jedi, The Phantom Apprentice, this one. Um, we even get like a, a little piece of that in not exactly the same, but like in Rogue One, we get a little bit of that, I think, um, mm-hmm. between like uh, Krennic and Jin and Cassian too, like touches of it. Um where the stakes but, are just so high, though. That's so that's high. the key here. You're right. The that like, that's what it is. The stakes are so high, but none of those stakes matter when you because it's just about like I tweeted this today, but it's that line in Revenge of the Sith that describes uh, in the novelization that talks about um, Anakin and Obi Wan fighting on Mustafar, and the line from the book is like. Uh, it wasn't Jedi versus Sith, light versus dark, good against evil. It wasn't about morals or philosophy or religion. It was Anakin against Obi-Wan personally and all the damage they had done to each other. And I'm like, it's probably my favorite line from the book, honestly. <laughs> um, wow. It just breaks my heart. And But I think like you just – you swap in any names and it works. And it like speaks to like, yeah, the stakes are high in all of these situations – but it's about the relationship between the two people and how the choices that they make in that moment are either going to turn the tide or damn them. And I think that like Star Wars does that so well. Like 
with um, Luke and Vader. It was like, it's the damage that they've done to each other in just like, in the sense that they've never existed for each other and what they could do for one another. And like for Luke, it's like the letdown and understanding who Vader is when he's idolized his father, his whole life, this like imaginary version he's concocted of him. And then like you apply that to Ray and Kylo so easily when they're standing in the throne room and Ray is saying, don't do this. Don't go this way. And Kylo's like, no, like we can do this together. Like this whole thing. And it just, that conversation whatever it looks like, it's so important. And even if you take the one with Maul and Ahsoka too, it's like everything hinges on that conversation. And like the the weird thing is like you can see, like you were talking about, like what happens here if they decide to come together? Because they never do. They never come together. Mm-hmm. Um, but like the weird thing is that like with Ahsoka and Maul, if she had taken his hand, who knows what would have happened there? Like in that episode, we were like, do it go with him like that's a good example (laughs) that's another good example of like i could visualize that because maul actually did have power because he was the head of x syndicate you know yeah and um like he he had power but at the same time for that one was interesting i feel like for the luke invader one that was like luke can never say no to this this is not right this is the wrong term with the ran kylo one it was like Ray personally shouldn't say yes to this because she shouldn't. But man, that would be really interesting. That would be super cool. Oh my god! <laughs> but yeah. not, maybe not now. But with the mall one, it was like, you know what? Ahsoka should because she should. She deserves yeah. this knowledge. Um, but of course, she doesn't. And then yeah. this one, it's kind of like, uh, yeah, join together, but in a different way. And I guess that's kind of how it is for every single one of them, except for Mall and Ahsoka, I suppose. Yeah, because even when you take – because in the original trilogy, you almost have like a – the number two of that conversation in Return of the Jedi, but with Palpatine, Vader, and Luke. But then it becomes Vader who like joins with Luke effectively um, in the – like this is the only option. Join me. Like we'll get rid of Vader or we'll get rid of Luke. Yeah. I feel like that's how it is for Rey and Kylo too. Like eventually – it's it's flipped like ben joins ray <laughs> you know yeah uh it's, it's it it flips it on its head that offer the person who makes the offer is never the one who ends up <laughs> joining the cause <laughs> you know what i mean yeah so. yeah and it's yeah anyway i i just think that these conversations are some of star wars is like strongest points because they're always so loaded they're always so emotional because it is it a lot of the times it's a galactic life or death situation, but it comes down to the personal emotional connection between two characters over any of that, honestly, um, over mm-hmm. whatever else is happening in the galaxy. And I just think there's something really powerful about that. And so I love those conversations and um, like even getting to compare all of these like we are now is is really cool because they they have these similarities, like obviously we're drawing connections between all of them, but they're also very specific to those stories and those characters. Yeah. And like even even the one with uh, Rogue One in, with Krennic versus Jin, like, yeah, it's about getting the Death Star plans out, but it's that personal uh, quote unquote connection of credit killing Lyra and like keeping uh Jin's father away from her and like there's all of that that's going on between the two of them that's kind of overriding Jin's actual mission there like that's what's kind of taking her focus once he starts taunting her 
Mm -hmm. Anyway, I love it. Me too. (laughs) This episode was so amazing. I loved the shot of the star, the the cruiser emerging from the clouds. I I can never get enough of that, to be honest. I just, I'll never get enough of it. It reminded me of that, that, uh, the time that happened in Solo, which was just an amazing shot. And I don't know, this episode was next level for me. Yeah. Next level. My question was, is how many times do you think Tarkin has said now you may fire when ready? <laughs> I was, When I rewatched it, I was like, I wish he said something different. It's a little gimmicky at this point. <laughs> I was like, did he practice it in the mirror a lot when he first became like a commander or a, a moth? <laughs> so funny. Uh, really I, just, funny. I want him to just say, just fire. Like, just go. Go. <laughs> <laughs> why are you waiting for me go ahead already yeah. i think he said it like 500 times though to answer your question yeah it's like favorite phrase yeah all these things we have i wonder if he has like a t-shirt with it on <laughs> no he doesn't wear t-shirts maybe slippers say it yeah yeah a bit or maybe <laughs> socks too um the other thing the other like light thing that i wanted to mention uh is we get the return of az and he's so cute and i hope that this means he's going to be with them season two totally i loved him i loved him from the very first episode of the bad batch and then when he quote unquote died and then came back it was so sad but i love his little like body spin when he's happy i don't know i love floating droids you know i think they're great yes just like a puppy um and I think he has good intentions, you know, the way he's like, this isn't, it's not safe for you here, Omega. It's pretty clear that AZ and Omega were like, you know, as whatever you define friends as. And that was cute. Another reminder of home and her past there and everything. Um, yeah, I hope that AZ joins Gonky and maybe there's like a funny friendship there. Imagine AZ, Gonky, and Omega all trying to like be friends with Crosshair and like entertain him. And he's, <laughs> so like, annoying. Locked up in the hold of the Marauder or whatever. It is. I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> to be clear, when I say it's so annoying, it sounds like so funny. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm completely here for it. <laughs> it's like uh, when the uh, oh, what is his name? Seth Green's droid. Uh, a couple episodes back when he's like outside the prison that Omega is locked in. <laughs> it's just so great. I love it. All right. So what's next? What's the next week? I think the tubes are coming back. I don't know how else they're going to get off this, this place. I, the fact that we have, which we haven't mentioned this episode, a season two confirmation. I feel like I always knew this was coming and I'm so glad it is because or else, like, I think we'd be sitting here thinking that this was a Rogue One situation because of the way that it was all staged, which was very Rogue One, you know? I don't really have any major theories besides the fact that I think Crosshair's chip was already removed, and that is shown to us by his head wound that makes us kind of think a little bit that maybe that's when it happened or maybe it happened after um, Ron or something like that. I'm not sure, but I think I, I don't know. You and I, I think, are, are going to hold firm that his chip is gone. <laughs> okay, and I don't. I just don't know how they're going to get out of it. I think tragedy is imminent, and I don't know who it's going to be. But I think something oh. crazy is oh. going to happen. I do think we're going to get Rex again, though. Maybe as a hologram. That's my yeah, thought. yeah. I think that, or I think that the this season will end with them being like 
punch in the coordinates that Rex just gave us. Yes. To yes, wherever they're I going. Agree. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I concur. The fact that they mentioned him in this episode, like, there's only so many lines in a 22-minute episode that you – every single line is important. So I just – I feel like that's the next step, you know? Yeah, I think the tubes are next. I think that's how they get off planet. Uh, makes sense because they're not firing over there. Like, I don't even think they know where the Marauder is parked. So that's good for them. Snaps to Omega for that one. And, I yeah, I think that – I think they'll probably get off the Camino pretty – I would assume pretty early, not early in the episode, but I think we're going to have time on the ship for there possibly to be some kind of uh, altercation on the ship between Crosshair and the others when he wakes up. My emotions are not ready. They weren't ready this morning and they're not ready for next week. And I love the show and I'm sad that we're not going to have it every like next week is the last week until next year. It always makes me sad where I'm like, oh, what do I do on Fridays now? I know. Yeah, it's not fair. (laughs) Anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Was there anything else we left out, Charlotte? I don't think so. One more week, guys. <laughs> we are <laughs> cruising, crashing, exploding towards the finale. Um, truly exploding. Truly exploding. Uh, we, in other housekeeping announcements, we have our summer series, which is uh, up by the time you're probably listening to this episode. So it's our summer series this year. It's called Knowing Kenobi, which we're super excited about. So if you're interested in a deep dive on Obi-Wan Kenobi, which we've never really done on Sky Talkers before, uh, definitely check that out. We're super pumped about it. Uh, and yeah, should be the first episode should be out now. Um, but if you want to talk to us more about Bad Batch or Obi-Wan Kenobi or anything else Star Wars, you can find us on Twitter at SkyTalkersPod or our personal handles. Charlotte's is at Clarity and mine is at Caitlin Flusher. We also have our website, SkyTalkers.com, our Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok account. We are on all of those social media platforms. And if you haven't left us a review yet on iTunes, we would really appreciate it if you did. Uh, It helps other people find our show and join in the conversation. And getting written reviews makes our day in such a big way. I cannot express to you how much we love it. So (laughs) um, thank you so much to everyone who has reviewed. Uh, We really do appreciate it. And if you're interested in other ways to support our show and how to get involved in our amazing Discord community, you can head on over to Patreon and check out our reward tiers there. I want to say a huge thank you to these patrons, Sarah, Dylan, Erica, Aaron, Demi, Hunter, Allison, Timothy, Ashley, Josh, Brandon, Rebuild, Jordan, Eunice, and Debo. Thank you so much for supporting us. Yes, thank you guys so much. And until next time, may the force be with you. May the force be with you.